Hey, let me interrupt the current podcast you're listening to so we can tell you about Musically Ignorant, hosted by me, Jason, and my pal, Lackey. Hi, I'm Lackey. We discuss all kinds of music from mainstream pop acts like Ben Folds and R.E.M. And very obscure acts like Cabaret Voltaire and Black Moth, Moth Super Rainbow. I think you just made those names up. I most certainly did not. Well, I guess that's why we named the show Musically Ignorant. Indeed, you rapscallion! Now, before Lackey turns too much into a 19th century professor, you should check us out on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google, or our home website, rabbitholepodcast.com. Jason, have you ever heard of this Lizzo person that's trending on Twitter? Oh man, I got my work cut out for me. Previously on The Time Scale. Hello? Hello, Nick, it's me. Don't say anything. The me that's standing in front of you should not be trusted. Under any circumstances, should you let him be in control of the time scale. Now, the me in front of you says he can't control the time scale, but he actually can. What? He's on to us. It's not safe now. I'll call again later. Remember, don't believe his lies. And now we return to the time scale. In at the end of time, time for a pint, all welcome fine All time travelers are friends of mine, everybody in at the end of the line The in at the end of time, time for a pint, all welcome fine All time travelers are friends of mine, everybody in at the end of the line It's a pleasure Um, Jason? Yeah? You never told me how you invented the time scale. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it was really an accident. An accident? Yeah. I was trying to make a muffin in a toaster, and it fell into a bucket of time water, and the toaster vanished. Soon I got a package, and it was a note for myself 20 years ago asking about why a toaster appeared in my bedroom as a teenager, and I knew my future self was responsible for it. That makes perfect sense. Good, because if I had to explain what time water was, my brain would explode. Anyway, now that I knew the time water could send metallic things into time, I decided to build a giant metallic thing. And how do you control what year it can go to? I learned how to manipulate the time water and tell it how far backward and forward to go. I can't just, you know, say, go to the year 2006, which is our current destination, by the way. I have to tell it how many years from where the time scale is presently at to go to. So, we just left 2009, now we're going backwards three years. But you said you lost control of the time scale and it's doing what it wants to do on its own, right? Hmm. Huh? Oh, uh, yeah... Yeah, yeah, obviously. Or else I would uh, take you back home. For sure. Right. Oh, we're about to land. Uh, brace yourself. Uh, we're going to be in 2006 and visit the film Deja Vu, starring Denzel Washington, Paula Patton, Val Kilmer, and the big JC himself, Jim Caviezel. <laughs> it's a shame that no one discussed this film anymore because... It has to be the nerdiest goddamn time travel movie ever made. 
We'll explain that now. Okay, um, I saw this in theaters when it came out because the trailers were like, time travel, time travel, time travel. And me being me, I had to go see this in theaters. And when I left the theater, my brain had so many thoughts about what I just watched. So there's a lot to discuss here in terms of time travel nerdiness. And I, I did not realize until watching this, you know, yesterday for this show... How fucking nerdy they get with the time travel shit. Like, I didn't catch it the first time. Um, but it's almost appropriate that they got Adam Goldberg to be the one to explain it. Like, it just fits. Like, he just looks like the guy that would be like, let me be the guy that explains how time travel works. You know, you get you, you get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, and just to, for reference as well, uh, I also saw this in theater and but I hadn't seen it again until last night. Okay. So, okay. Um, uh, but yeah, and all I remembered, which we'll get to, obviously, is the big set piece, the the uh, fairy explosion. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. But that's that's really all I remembered. I remembered bits and pieces again as I was watching, but nothing really like huge. Um, but uh, yeah, the ner- I did pick up on how, man, this is like. They're, like, trying to take every time travel concept <laughs> and put it all in one movie. It, it, yeah, it, they really do. Um, but, um, no, my, my actual takeaway, like, that I rem- when I think about this movie is actually the scene. Um, and we're going to do a deeper dive, but I just want to say the, the scene where Denzel's driving in the Hummer. And he's got the helmet on that he can oh, see yeah. from four days ago. But then he also has to look at the present day as he's driving. Like, that scene always trips me out. I, 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 yeah, that's I, a, it's a pretty trippy scene. It's hard to be like, well, like, it takes you out of it because it shows the first-person perspective yeah. of, of the two eyesights. And you're yeah. just like, holy, like, that, it hurts your, it hurts your head a little bit, like, watching that. It does. And, um, oh. Yeah. And, and uh, I even commented um, to my wife about it when we were watching it. But just because, how, like, could you just imagine having to drive at, like, while doing two different sets of traffic in yeah. one daylight, one nighttime, yeah. like, all at the same time. Exactly. Only with one eye on each mm-hmm. destination. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's, that's pretty crazy. That was a trippy-ass scene. Uh, okay, let me lay, like, what the basic plot of the movie is, and we'll get into all the nerdy shit that happens in this movie, because it's surprisingly nerdy. Um, so the film starts with, I'm gonna say it, probably the most epic explosion I have seen in a film. Um, so there's a ferry that's in New Orleans, it's at, it's, it leaves the dock, and there's, like, a bunch of people on it, it's like a thousand sailors are on there. There's like a class, like a class of kids, like going on a field trip. It's like every like stereotypical demographic of who would be sad to see die in like a plane crash or some kind of accident like this. 
Like, you know, they didn't, I'm surprised they didn't show nuns at some point. But, you know, they had sailors, they had parents, they had kids, they had teachers, they had... My daughter's on that fairy! <laughs> right, they had, like, animals, like, they had everything. And so, you know, the fairy, we see in the beginning, the fairy taking off, you know, going, you know, into the water or whatever. And then, um, and then there's an explosion. There's a bomb goes off in the boat, and it explodes the boat. And I say it's a very epic explosion because we we see it like really close, and you get all these shots of like people being flung in the air and falling into the water, and they're on fire, and you know you see the explosion a couple of times from different angles, and it's a very high explosion. Like it was really damn good. Whoever did the explosion for this for this movie did a wonderful job. I have to give them credit. And like it's, I was reading the, I'm reading the Wikipedia, and that's like a real explosion. They actually exploded a boat for this movie. It's not CGI. It's not special yeah, effects. I was gonna say you can tell that it's practical, that it's not CGI, which I think helps your uh, thoughts on how it is. It's a, it's a cool looking explosion because yeah. it looks like a real explosion, mm-hmm. not like you know something in a big. Like, you know, like a big Marvel movie where you can tell it's just like a CGI explosion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Um, it was really good. So the, so this the ferry explodes and, uh, like, it was some crazy number. Like, 500, over 500 people died. It was, like, a crazy number of people died mm-hmm. in the explosion. And then it got hurt. Like, it was a mass. And they're, like, it's a terrorist event, which it was. Um, but then they call in... Um, uh, the ATF agent Douglas Carlin. Um, it's not Carlin. Do not call him Carlin. <laughs> He's made some point to say that in the movie. Um, yeah. Played by Denzel Washington. And uh, he starts investigating this. And I guess he's like a... He's like freaking Sherlock Holmes. He's fucking Sherlock Holmes. Because he just like looks at shit and he just notices things right away. And he's like, oh, there's the blasting cap. Uh, he notices uh, a bunch of like little details throughout the whole like investigating part of this movie, um, but the important part is uh, he get, he hears about uh, a woman who got washed up, um, and during the autopsy they discovered that she died actually before the bomb went off because the bomb went off at like ten forty five, uh, and she died like like an hour before or something like that. So, um, so he's trying to figure out why, like what this is about. He starts investigating her death. Um, and then has a result of, you know, investigating her death and how it's linked to the explosion. Cause he realizes there is a connection. Um, he gets bought in by, uh, by the FBI to a special project. Um, uh, where at first they don't tell him what's exactly going on. Um, but they're like, this is our project called Snow White. And they say that they use uh, satellite fo- uh, footage to look at stuff four days in the past. Uh, but, you know, Denzel, he's not dumb. He notices that, like, they get audio. They can change angles. They can look through walls and all this stuff. So he starts noticing this is not surveillance. This is actual, like, like something's going on that he can't, I, that they don't I want to say, too, here, I, I only have, like, a few issues, really, with the movie, but this this was one of them. Okay. And they just bring him in and are like, all right, what do you see? Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. he's like, what? what? What are you talking? Like, they don't debrief him. Like, even a fake debrief. Like, they <laughs> told him the satellite thing, like, beforehand. Yeah. And just, you know, whatever. But they're just like, all right, what? And he has no idea. And then they're missing, like, valuable. I mean, it could have been, theoretically, valuable time looking at the thing mm-hmm. uh, when they just could have explained anything to him beforehand. Um and it's not a big deal. I was just like, that was a weird choice. Just yeah. go. What am I even doing? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. That, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, he he's proved himself to be, like, a very smart, observant guy. And they bring him yeah. in for this. So they should have just told him right away. I mean, I guess yeah. the thing is whether he would believe it or not. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, I get that angle a little bit. Like, if you don't know this guy very well. And you're like, how do we tell this guy that we actually found a way? And they do try to explain it in the movie, and we're gonna we'll dive a little bit into it because I don't even really understand it, um, how they do this. But they found a way to actually look four days in the pa- four and a half days to be exact into the past using uh, this device that like, and they try to explain it with like a piece of paper. It's like time is a flat circle no uh flat piece of paper and then they fold the uh the edges and so now because the edges can see each other that's how they're able to look into the past <clears throat> um, which that is that is explained also i believe in time crimes they use that same the, the same paper exact thing. Yep, yep they do it in um uh oh god what's the name of that movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis. Oh, Looper, which is Looper. Up. They do that in Looper. Mm-hmm. Um, and up. they do th- they do that in uh, I'm pretty sure Thor. It's been a while since I've seen the first Thor movie, but I it's, think e- it's either it's either Thor or Endgame. It's one of those two because they talk about the Einstein Rosen bridge which is which in we, Thor for sure. We talked we actually talked um, about that during time crimes actually. Yeah. Um, so uh yeah, but, so this notion of the folded paper like explanation, it's in a lot of time it is. travel things. Cuz it's probably the best way to visually explain it in a yeah. very quick means through a movie cuz you're trying to get the information across quickly so you don't waste a lot of movie time. You know, with techno babble, you just need to like, what's the best, fastest way we can get this to people watching a movie who may not be, you know, who may not know all this stuff. And it's like, oh, piece of paper, you fold it, you know, that's the past, this is the present, looks at each other. Makes sense. Uh, it's kind of similar to the string theory that's in Quantum Leap. Um, uh, the uh, Sam Beckett, he had a similar thing where like a string was like timeline but then you ball up the string into your hand and now all the points in your life are like touch are next to each other. And so that was the pro the, the process of, you know, project quantum leap was to be able to like jump around like that on your timeline because they're now next to each other instead of further away on a string. So they use something similar as well. Um, but, uh, so that was, uh, so yeah, so they tell him finally, okay, it's a, it's a time, window they call it a time window at least in the uh wikipedia here uh and they're able to look four and a half days into the past um but it's done like in real time 
like has the four days in the past moves forward into time so does the present time so they're like we can't wait until the day of the explosion and look then because the guy who did it who's still on the loose could escape he could go to a you know europe or wherever they said so we got to like figure this out like really quickly and uh uh doug uh denzel's character he 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 knows that uh claire the woman that was washed up dead is the key to it that she's she she's uh she's you know related to it somehow so they watch her life um which it's which uh leads to a lot of awkward scenes yeah (laughs) um <laughs> um, them watching her in the shower. They watch her in the shower. Remember, everybody, this is 2006, so you know it was a different time. <laughs> they watch her changing clothes. And when they first get to her house, she's like already like in her underwear. Yeah. So and it's yeah. like, what else? What is she doing? Uh, like with her time besides being half naked all the time? Because I swear, every time they looked at her, she was either in trouble. Or she uh-huh. was like changing clothes or taking a shower. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Now I guess the um, thing is, um, they cast Paula Patton. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, yeah, the thing is, Mission Impossible. Four. Yeah, she was in a bunch. She's in a bunch yeah. of stuff. Um, but uh, I don't know how much you keep up on celebrity gossip, Nick. Um, but at one time, she was married to Robin Thicke, the singer. <laughs> Wow. And uh, they got a really nasty divorce because he was cheating on her. Uh, Bloodlines. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't help any either. Uh, but uh, So they got a really nasty divorce, and he regretted everything. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I miss you. I love you. And he wrote, like, a whole album about how much he missed her. And it gets a little creepy. Um, yeah, so, so that's, I've known her from other movies, but that's what I, when I think of her, that's what I think of, this whole Robin Thicke situation, and it's like, looking at this movie, I can kind of see somebody fucking going crazy and losing their mind, because she's really hot, and I can, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not saying what Robin Thicke did was right, obviously not, he could have went about this a whole completely different way. But I can see somebody losing their fucking mind over her. So it makes a little sense. But again, I'm not supporting that. So I think that's probably it. Just like, hey, we got this hot woman. We're just going to have her in her underwear the entire time. Um, But to be fair, she goes out. She goes to a bar. She she hangs out with friends. She's trying to sell a truck, which ends up being the whole crucial plot point to the movie. Um, Okay. I have a question about this. Okay. Um, So... Uh, going back to one of my issues uh, with the movie, uh, the editing was a little, it's very choppy. And mm. I guess it's very Tony Scott, but oh, yeah, you know, yeah. very, very quick and choppy. And I feel like some, I don't know if some things were left on the editing room floor. Like okay. there's, uh, there's a lot of things. And you implied you're not quite sure how the time travel works. And I think that's because it's not really explained. Yeah, like they're they're just like <clears throat> this is a thing that happens. Well, how does it work? I don't know. Like, so, oh, but ahead. there's no even there's no even like basis for it. Like they they don't really 
like it's just very confusing and then it just does what they want it to do when it needs to change mm -hmm. i feel like you know at various points um like i was very confused about what was going on uh, were they looking at surveillance footage or something? At one point, uh, when they're trying to, like, find the guy on the payphone. Uh-huh. Um, and then they're, like, rewinding and doing, like, all this stuff, but they're oh. going outside of their zone. And I'm like, how, how so, they didn't explain what's going on here. Okay. Uh, well, okay, I'll, I'll give a couple of explanations here. Um, so there's a behind-the-scenes explanation. I'll do that first. So this is a Tony Scott film. Tony Scott, he's... He's he's not known to doing the most smartest of movies. He's like a he's like a diet Michael Bay. Um, he you know he'll make movies with the explosions and chase scenes and stuff like that, which we get a lot of in this movie. Um, but the writers of this movie, uh, these two guys, uh, they came up with the plot of this like you know hey let's I got this we got this idea for a movie where they're trying to investigate a death of a woman. Um, but she's already dead when we meet her, and so the main character falls in love with her while f solving her murder, and using the time travel aspect of it, he falls in love with her while looking at the last few days of her life. And that was, like, the crux of the movie, like, the script. And so they developed... Which is still... It's kind of weird, by the way. I get <laughs> it. Yeah, I, I get it. No, yeah, it, it is, but it's an interesting idea. Um, yeah. He kisses her after she's known him for like an hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, again, we'll 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 have to leave yeah. some things in a 2006 era and just kind of just let that marinate over there. Um, but uh, when they were looking for a director, they you know they sold the script to Jerry Bruckheimer, who's the producer of the films that are explosions, car chases, blah blah blah. Um, <coughs> and they hired Tony Scott to direct. But Tony Scott, he did not want to make a time travel movie. Um, he wanted to just completely erase the time travel aspect of the movie and just make it a pure surveillance. Like, you know, he's discovering this through regular surveillance, like satellite, cam like satellite cameras and stuff. Um, but that, like, the writers were like, no, we want this to be a time travel thing. We want this. We had this wonderful idea you know, going backwards from her death, seeing the last few days of her life, blah, blah, blah. So they fought really hard on this. And so Tony Scott at one point quit the movie um, and didn't want to direct it anymore because they were fighting over the time travel aspect of this movie. Um, but they only bought it back, and this may answer your question, they only bought Tony Scott back if he would use some of his writers and so that might explain like some of the gaps you might be asking about um, yeah so yeah that makes sense because uh i feel like uh there's not really a solid explanation of the time travel so tony scott not being interested in the time travel mm -hmm. explains that yeah there's there, the random use of surveillance footage mixed in with the time travel stuff with no real clear uh transition to that explains yeah. that because he wanted it to be a surveillance movie yeah um the uh, uh there's just different different things like like that where it's just like they don't fully explain what's happening or why it's happening or how it's happening uh that keep popping up through the movie and i'm just like uh yeah like i 
I don't know. It just felt edited weird, or something was cut out. Yeah, or there wasn't just that in there. Also, you had mentioned, um, uh, like when during her shower scene, what they notice or they make note that uh, it's happening in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if there's one point we see her in the shower. The camera is in the shower. Mm-hmm. And then it pans away, comes through the wall, mm-hmm. and she comes out in a towel going, hello, is anyone there? Or, you right, know, she hears a noise, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, so in like literally one second, she got out of the shower, grabbed a towel, wrapped <laughs> it around her, and got around the corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm like, if you're going to set up things like this is happening in real time. Well. But they don't always, they frequently uh, edited it in a way where it didn't seem like it was in real time. Yeah, so there there was like, you know, during the middle of the movie here, there was like a question about how this is working. Because the, the team that's on the Snow White project like were hiding things from Denzel like they were you know they didn't they were reluctant to tell him about the time travel thing but then um he still thinks that something's up because we see these parts where she's in her apartment uh and she's looking around uncomfortably like she's being watched and she even writes in her journal diary thing like I feel like I'm being watched and so Denzel picks up on you know it's not so much the the the, the terrorist killer guy but I think it's us that she's noticing. And so he tests this with the laser pointer. He points the laser pointer through the screen and it shows up on her wall four days in the past. And so they attempt to explain like, like it's basically like they made a invisible wormhole that they can like look through. Um, Again, yeah, it's not super explained very well. Like, as much as they, they get nerdy with it, and they have Adam uh, Goldberg go around, like, saying, oh, the sheet of paper, Einstein bridge, you know, all that. Like, he's yeah. saying all this stuff, right? But, like, it's not in a way that we, that typical American non-science, non-time-travel fan movie-going audience will understand it. But, like, people like me and you who are a little more into time travel stuff mm-hmm. can kind of pick up on what he's saying. Like, we get the idea. We don't fully <laughs> understand it. I don't yeah. fully understand it. I'm not saying I do. But, like, I understand what he's saying. Like, I get the paper, fold it. Right, right. I understand that. But, like, you know, like, my neighbor who doesn't watch movies, like, I'm sure he would not understand what the fuck any of that meant. And for him, it's just, oh, okay, it's nerdy time travel shit. Move on. And I think that may have been what Tony Scott was doing. He yeah. might have been like, just say your nerdy shit for like two minutes. We're just going to say that's what's happening and we're going to move on with this movie. And that's probably where the problem is. And they also have, uh, you know, they mentioned we only do this for viewing. Everything else is too risky. But we also have this machine where we can send stuff into the past. Right. I want to get to that. <laughs> um, um, and... Uh, also, I wanted to mention they do bring up branched timelines. Branched time, yes, yep. Um, they did. So they they go very Loki here, multiverse. <sighs> yeah. They um, did. but I do like their explanation. I I gotta I gotta give it to them on this. Mm-hmm. I like their explanation of what happens to the other timeline 
and it erases and then you start following the branch timeline yep and the so that kind of gets out of the um paradox i guess of yes. it all uh, and i'm like oh that was clever and that ties in again to the ending of the movie which we'll get to yeah i i i i, I like that they were explaining the the branch as well and it does tie into like kind of my discussion point of the episode um and explains the ending a bit um but uh but yeah i like that they have like some ability to send things back they don't like use they they they, they got this whole scene where they're like we don't send anything like any person any living thing back because it the human body can't handle it um and they said they never really tried with objects before and so the thing they did try is a piece of paper uh with a note you know they said like okay we need to send this to you know doug is like send this to my office four days from now or whatever um send it to me because i'm gonna i'm gonna investigate it <clears throat> so and this leads actually to an interesting uh thing about the movie that i kind of appreciate um so they send this note, and it's detailed of, like, um, oh, they found out where the, the terrorist guy, he was going to uh, go to start planting the bombs. Uh, he was going to go to the ferry, you know, a couple days before the explosion, and he was going to set up the, the bombs and whatnot. So he was, so Doug was like, if I um, write this note to myself to go to the, to the, the dock at, like, 4 a.m. when that guy is going to be there, we can maybe stop this. So they use the time window to go to his office. We see the scene of him arguing with his partner, Larry, um, who they mentioned throughout the movie. They're like, oh, my partner Larry's out of town. Mm -hmm. But then they get to the ferry, the the explosion site, and they see his car. And Doug is like, oh, where's Larry at? And they're like, oh, well, if his car is there, that means he's a victim. We put all the victims' cars there. Which then makes him go, oh, shit, why was he on this ferry? But then we learn that um, when we go to the scene where they're going to send the note back in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like this scene. This actually was a cool scene. They sent the, they put this piece of paper in this – I can't even explain the machine thing. It's this big round uh, machine with coils in it, and they put it into this, like, gl- flat glass thing. And then they, they send it back to, to his desk. But because everything's in real time, um, Larry and Doug were arguing in their office. And so Larry, le- I'm sorry, Doug leaves right as the piece of paper shows up on the desk. And so Larry sees the note. And he see, he reads, you know, go to this dock, terror, whatever, 4 a.m., whatever. So then we then follow Larry uh, going to the dock and interrupting the um, terrorist, who we don't know at this point. We don't know who it is. We don't know the name. We, we kind of see a face every now and then, but we don't mm-hmm. know who it is. Um, but Larry gets shot by the terrorist guy. And this leads to my point of you know time travel theory of no matter how hard you try to change things, you can't. So if you try to do something, go back to the past and try to change something, that change has already happened. It, it's mm-hmm. happened. And so him sending this piece of paper was the event that killed Larry, which has got to, you know, they don't dive too deep into this, but you see it on Denzel's face when he realizes, like, oh, shit, I'm the one who killed Larry because he's yeah. the one who found the piece of paper and now he's dead well, so, because of me. 
So here's an interesting thing, though. Um, they try to have their cake and eat it, too, with all of this. Uh, because they uh, they play both sides. They they say, yes, it's already happened. Or visually, they imply it's all already happened this way. Right. The reason the partner died is because of this. The reason they uh, the bad guy needs a car uh, from what's her name from Claire Claire, Claire. Um, is because he shot up his other one fighting the cop, which happens shortly after. This exactly. Part. Yes. Yeah. Um, however, though, I'm confused on that one, and I'll get back to my fate thing in just a sec. I am confused on that because he was calling. Wasn't he calling about the car? earlier in the movie right he was like i need it now and then but then it's like they're trying to explain oh he needed the car because of the shooting okay happened later okay okay wait i can explain that so um the 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 terrorist guy he calls her when she's at the bar and he's like i need your i need your car i need it by monday but she's like oh i can't do it monday because she has a date or or something something oh she had a date yeah she had a date with some guy so she couldn't do it. So the guy at the terrorist was like, all right, fine. But then after shooting the cop or whatever, that's when he's like, the only lead that I got on a car is that girl. So that's when he breaks into her house. He kidnaps her, takes her to the, the shack that he took her to, uh, kills her, and steals her car. That's why he did that. He didn't buy okay. it from her. He stole, he kid, That's why she died. Because he kidnapped her, killed her, and then put her in the same body of water to make it look like she was one of the, uh, you know, uh, victims of the explosion. Um, but they didn't count on Doug <laughs> being super smart. Uh, but uh, but that that okay. no, that's what happened. That that's explained. All right, all right. Uh, so going back to the fate thing. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, they bring this up multiple times throughout the movie. They talk about fate or destiny or you know whatever. Um, so they imply that, you know, he has the, uh, the fridge magnets that he gives himself the note for, no, sorry, or, yeah, yeah. or, or the bandages or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to get to that. But, too. but also, so they're telling us you can, it, everything that happens has already happened. Right. Um, but then they also say things like, oh, well, uh, he was going to die on the ferry no matter what. Or he, uh, you know, just different things to imply that, oh, we're not changing anything. We are, uh, or we are changing things, but we're not changing things. Right. Um, so it happened a different way, but now it's actually all happening the same way. And, uh, that is kind I, of, you know, what? Are you, yeah. follow, you following what I'm saying? No, like, I get, I get it. Cause okay. So there's this part in the be- like towards the beginning when Doug is investigating Claire's apartment, and he's he, he so they make a note to show that he's wearing gloves, so he's wearing gloves, and he sees bloodied bandages in a sink, in the trash can, uh, he sees like uh, like first aid stuff is like out on the table and stuff, and he's like okay well that's a little weird but whatever, um, then he tells the FBI guy uh, hey go check out you know, this person, this dead body, they're investigating her apartment. And one of the FBI guys is like, you know, you're really sloppy. You had your fingerprints all over this place. And so this, 
he doesn't say nothing. Like, Denzel doesn't say nothing, but he gets, like, that's, okay, I wore a glove. That's weird. He doesn't get that. So now, and I do have a problem with this. I, I love this movie to death, but, yeah, it has its problems. And this is the main one, I think. So, okay, so the catalyst for all of this is because Claire died. They found right. her body. All right. So, and we're, now we're going to just jump ahead a bit. They get to this part where they send Denzel back in time. They found a way to actually send his body back in time because they uh, they eventually find the terrorist uh, played by uh, Jim uh, Jim Caviezel, um, and uh, you know they discover his name and everything. And he's like a crazy, you know, patriot guy who's you know. And remember, this is 2006. This is like we're still in the Bush era. 9-11 still on everyone's mind. Uh, so a lot of patriotism stuff was happening with, you know, you know, goddamn, you know, Arabs, blah, 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 you know, stuff like that. So this guy was one of those crazy Americans who were like, I need to make a point and I need to, like, destroy things to make my point. He was that kind of it, guy. It, it was a very shallow, like, what's, I kept finding myself being like, what's the motivation for this guy? Like, it's not really explained. And they it's also not. kind they, they kind of kept um, hinting at that, does he know about the time travel? So, like, uh, Oh, yeah. I, I picked up on that, too. I don't think he does, but um, no, I, it was. I think it was just a product of the era that this movie was yeah. made because this was like that again the time where like nine eleven is on everyone's mind and everyone was just like paranoid and and this guy was rejected from the army and he wanted to serve the army because he wanted to go and kill the fucking Arabs you know I'm quoting him but um and so he was just this loose cannon nutsoid guy who's like all right I'm gonna show the American government. You know, they're not going to, you know, pick me for the army. I'm just going to fucking blow shit up, you know. So that was like his mo. It's like very close to like Timothy McVeigh. Yeah. Like that was like his motivation a little bit was he was rejected from the army. He blew up the Oklahoma uh, City. Well, I guess they, they mentioned Oklahoma City in the movie. So, yeah. yeah. So it's it's very similar to that. Um, but okay, so uh, so they now like we got the, we got the guy and he's gonna be tried for the explosion and for the murder. So we're done. Um, and then Denzel's like, but she's still dead, and you know it's clear that he's in love with her. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just very obvious that this is why he's he does the rest of the movie. And you can see Adam Goldberg's character, you know, and you know I haven't gotten to him too much, but he's the guy that accidentally invented the time travel. And he's he's the one that knows how it works, and he explains everything. He's the guy, and so Adam Goldberg's character, he's like, like yeah, I knew you're gonna be coming, you know, Colin, you know, Doug, and I guess we're gonna do this. You're gonna be the first human to go back in time, blah blah blah. And they did a smart. I gotta give this <coughs> credit. They sent them to a hospital because they knew that he was going to not make it. So they sent them to like just a random field or something. They were gonna be like, um, no, he's gonna die. So they found a way to send him to like a hospital, and I thought that was pretty damn clever. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this guy just shows up in a on a gurney in a hospital, like, and he's convulsing. So they save him, and then now he wakes up and then he goes about the day. And I thought that was pretty damn clever. Um, so, um. 
I'm, I still have a point here. I'm trying to get to it. Uh, <laughs> so he goes back. He goes to the um, the terrorist uh, had like a little shack like off in the wilderness somewhere, and that's where he took Claire uh, to kill her. Um, and so Denzel shows up to save her, and he does. He saves her. He she ends up not getting killed because she got killed. Her fingers got cut off because she scratched his face, and he didn't want DNA to be traced back to him. So. Um, so he sa- so Denzel saves her now. Okay, now she's alive. All right. So then there's this part where he's trying to explain who he is, and he needs to save her, and they need to go to the ferry to stop the explosion. They go to her house uh, because he got shot. He got shot by the terrorist guy, and he's like, "We, I, you know, I need to get to the ferry." And she's like, "You're gonna die before you get there." So they suggest going to her house. At her house is where the bandages come from. They're, you know, they're cleaning him up. He's getting the bullet wound taken care of and all those bandages we saw earlier. But, like, why is that still a thing? Like, why did that exist when Denzel was looking through her apartment if now she's alive? Right. No, I had that. that I was going to make this same point because it's it's like an incomplete loop or something. So he goes back in time and like causes all of these things to happen. Yeah. Um, and he still ha- uh, like you know the you can save her magnets on the fridge. He does that. Or, yeah. 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 Or the or the bandages or the blown up uh, ambulance and how ha- you know at into the, the shack. Yeah. In the shack. You know all of this stuff that was caused by him going back in time um, was all there in the main timeline, basically. Exactly. Yes. But that stuff should have only existed in the timeline where Claire and the boat are, don't bl- blow up or die. Right. Um, so, uh, them existing when he's going through the case makes zero sense because the stuff exploded and she died. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's weird. It's really, yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Like, it, it tries to do the main the, timeline and the branch timeline simultaneously. I have it, a it can't do that. I have a weird theory that, and you know, again, I want to stress the movie does not explain this. This is just my personal theory. I'm wondering if they're trying to insinuate, like, I don't know how to word it. So, okay, he saved her from getting killed by the terrorist. So, there's still a scenario where she's dead because now he's taking her to the ferry and he didn't stop the explosion yet it's one of those and it's a it's a thing that like i i theorize about time travel like that you know until you actually do the thing and in this case actually get her to safety that thing is still going to happen for example she's still going to die somehow so he prevented her from being killed by by Jim Caviezel, but she could still die at any point after that, which would still lead to him investigating her apartment and seeing the bandages and stuff. So it's like, okay, everyone at home, visualize the timeline, and then he went back, and now he's at this point in the timeline, and the time is going, and then he, he we get a little branch of, okay, we now saved Claire, but now those timelines are running parallel to each other, 
And so the bandages are still there. His fingerprints are still there. The magnets are still there. But she's still going to die at some point in this new branch of a timeline. So he's still there investigating and still seeing the bandages. It's not until he finds a way to get her to safety then where the branch is going to completely close off and a new branch forms where now he didn't he never investigated the apartment because he didn't need to because she didn't die so i think that might be what's happening and i i think that's that was in the the ver the before tony scott version of the script yeah. was probably them like okay we need to sort of like you know explain that like He's going to do all this stuff. He's going to do the magnets because on the magnets it says, can you save her? Uh, or you can save her or whatever it says. And, you know, has motivation for him to save Claire. But he has to do those things in case he doesn't succeed in his mission. In case he can't stop the explosion. In case he can't stop Claire from dying. He still has to motivate his himself, his other self, uh, to do all these things. And so maybe... That would, and then we get into a time loop thing where it's like, okay, I failed, so now maybe you know my other self. Basically, it's a time crime situation where it's like he has to do all these things to get his past self to be like, oh, okay, and then catch up to the present self and become the past self and so on. But thankfully, we don't see any of that. <laughs> um, but I think that's what's going on, and I admit they don't explain that. And I'm sure. People were lost and were like, well, what about the bandages, right? I, I, and I'm, I have to assume that was what the screenwriters were going for. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and chalk it up to bad writing or <laughs> directing. <laughs> uh, because it just kind of bad storytelling. Because, yeah, I think you're giving hey, that way too much credit. I liked my theory, goddammit. It's a good um, theory. I don't know. I think. Yeah, I think the only the years would be the only possible explanation. You know, like where the because you'd still have the issue of you're still the timeline, the branched timelines would still have to be merging together. Like in this timeline that is set forth, can Claire go visit her own grave? Because there was already a funeral with her body buried in that but same then, timeline. But once she's saved, all of, they explain that. That timeline would no longer exist. So him going it, to the apartment with the bandages won't exist. The grave won't exist. All of that won't exist anymore. They explain it in the movie. You even just said it. No, I know, but they... But it still existed within the timeline as we saw it. No matter which timeline we went in, it still happened. Right, until... Because it, it had to happen to get to that point in time. Right, you're right. There is a paradox to this movie, because Claire has to die for Denzel to go back in time, but then he saves her, so then what... But how did that... You're right, that's the typical time travel paradox. That's well, the main even, problem with even, all time travel movies, I understand. I no, 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 I don't even think it's the... Uh, that necessarily, where because I can see that. Um, he wouldn't... There is actually no explanation needed for him going back to to start all this or do all this or whatever. I actually think it works as a kind of closed loop in that particular case. 
because they explain it well enough. And I don't think there is a paradox in that case. I think the paradox comes in the branched timelines and Mm. everything kind of happening at the same time when it shouldn't have been. Um, Okay. So uh, that's... I think think we're going to disagree on the... I think that's the part where we're going to branch off, if you will. Uh, (laughs) um, But... um, but the thing is, he does, you know, save her. He does eventually. Uh, and I here's the point that I, I the whole my whole point of this episode as it's coming up is he, you know, he and Claire day after he fixes himself. Oh, and he has to prove uh, to her, you know, that he's an actual FBI guy, blah, blah, blah. They go to the ferry to try to stop the explosion. They go together. And so he tells her, I'm going to go on the boat. You stay here. Once the boat is off the dock, go tell the cops there's a bomb on the boat and just try to convince them however you can. But then uh, Jim Caviezel notices that the uh, his, that the, the, the truck that he originally had was there, and so he knows that Claire and Denzel's there. So they go. he goes onto the boat because in the original timeline, he left watched the boat go out into the water on a bridge and then he left but then now in this altered timeline he goes onto the boat to go stop Denzel from blowing up you know from no longer blowing the boat and so we get the the scene where he's we get now an altered timeline where now Jim Caviezel's shooting up the boat he's shooting at Denzel uh he's got Claire tied up to the truck um and there's a shootout and everything Okay, so eventually they get into the truck where the bomb is, and they drive the truck into the water. And so uh, they manage to get Claire out of the truck, but Denzel is trapped in the car. And then as he's trapped in the car, the car explodes underwater, which saves the boat from exploding and Claire dying. Okay, so this was my takeaway from the movie, was that... This Denzel that went back in time, and we're speaking of destiny in this movie, he had to die because there cannot be two versions of Denzel running around yeah, in the same time. I agree. Yeah. And so this was kind of like my, my, my question was, can two versions of yourself exist at the exact same time? And how would that play in terms of, like, paradoxal stuff and timeline stuff? You know what I mean? Like, I think two versions of you can't coexist during the exact same time. Which I know breaks Back to the Future Part 2 to pieces, I understand. But, (laughs) but, uh, but, um, but I, I feel like you can't. I feel like, I feel like if if I went back to yesterday and talked to my yesterday self, me, I would have to die at some point. I would have to no longer exist because two of us can't exist in the same timeline. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I don't see why not. There's no, I guess, real scientific reason of why, 
you can't exist at the same time as yourself because mm. essentially you've just cloned yourself more or less. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess. Um, so the only thing you would deal with is can you handle the knowledge of that time travel is a thing. So for example, if you yourself came back and you saw yourself and you're like, hey, I just time traveled, you would probably be like, that's awesome, I believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like somebody else might be like, what the fuck, get the fuck away from me and like, just, <laughs> you know, have a whole mental breakdown or try to kill themselves or something like that. Right. So I think it just really depends on the person. Um, I, I don't necessarily think it's an issue of you can't exist uh, at the same time as yourself, uh, mm. that that concept itself alone. Now it could create, um, I don't know, a paradox or something where if you knew that you could come back, would you have come back? You know, kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Um, it's more of a it's more of a metaphysical question because yeah. then it's like, well, what does that do to like the timeline? Like, how does that affect you know? the universe and everything because if 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 my future self came to today and then we coexisted until the time that i went back in time but what if i don't go back in time then what happens you know what i mean so it's one of those things where either one of us has to die or the other one has to go back for the timeline to correct itself yeah and i think that's basically what it boils down to is if you're trying to correct the timeline or not because I think two of you can't exist in the same timeline like that. Um, that that's going back to another movie I mentioned earlier that we're going to talk about at some point. So I kind of broke some kind of storytelling cycle. Aw, damn it, Nick. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, so that was what I always wondered. Or did I travel back in time? Oh, shit. Mm, it's possible. Anything's possible here in a time scale. Um. No, but that was what when I walked away from this movie in the theater, like that was literally, you know, and I had Felicia with me and she has zero interest in time travel. So here I am in the car like, well, he had to die. He had he went back in time and he had to die. And I'm sounding like the Charlie Day meme of the of him <laughs> on the wall. Yeah, I'm, that's how I sound to her. I'm like, well, he had to go. He went back in time. And so there's two of them now. And so he had to die in that car. And the car went into the water and exploded because now we got the other, you know, Doug who now shows up at because he he shows up and talks to Claire. And of course, you know, he doesn't know about the time travel thing because this is four days in the past and now she she knows about it and uh you know and i'm i'm like all this and she's like okay i'm gonna let you off here on the highway and you're just gonna find your own way home <laughs> you're freaking me out but that's how i was when i ended when i finished watching this movie because uh, it made me just have all these thoughts and we t- we touched on a lot of the thoughts i had um uh, i have i got one more actually yeah. i was i was thinking of it when you were talking earlier about the end of the movie yeah um where exactly would the branch happen i guess uh where where it starts deviating from say the original timeline because if denzel always went back and he always did the bloody bandages. He always stole the ambulance, and the the ambulance always crashed. The thing always exploded. Um, that means he always took the car to go back to the ferry, and then Jim Caviezel would see the car there. So 
did Jim Caviezel always get on the ferry? But if that's the case, then how did they arrest him having still been alive? So I think the branch closed right when the bomb exploded. Because that was the opening of the branch. That was what started this whole movie was the bomb with the boat exploding. But now that the boat did not explode, uh, Jim Caviezel got shot, like, to death by, like, the cops and Denzel. So he's dead. So that whole interrogation scene that we saw did not happen. So I think that's where everything closed. I think that's I think the I think the branch formed right when the bomb went off underwater and the future Denzel died. I think that's when that branch started and now we're on this new branch of okay, bomb never exploded. Jim Caviezel's dead. Um uh Claire is alive. She has her fingers. She's she's going to be mentally fucked up, but she's okay. Um and uh and now we have, you know, this version of Denzel who doesn't know about the time travel thing who, you know, he's probably there just to investigate the the bombing as it was supposed to happen um, but now that everyone's alive and everyone's okay, you know there's probably not going to be much, it's just going to be an investigation into you know, Jim Caviezel character's motivations um, she's going to give a statement, she's probably going to have to make up something <laughs> um like, yeah, this weird guy, I don't know, like, just showed up, knew that the bomb was on the boat, and then he ended up dying, and it's weird. And they can't, you know, I'm sure there's nothing left of his body in the truck. It all exploded, so they can't, like, do, you know, DNA testing or anything. They can't say, oh, it's a second Denzel. It's just like, all right, some random guy died in the truck. Okay, I guess case closed. And we did see how fast that the FBI people wanted to close the case. Like, the instant he confessed, Jim Caviezel, Jim Caviezel confessed to the murder and all that, the FBI guy, Bruce Greenwood, uh, he's like, okay, we're done. Everyone go home. Close up. We got him. Trial. Yep. So, you know, he's going to be the same way. He's going to be like, yeah, truck exploded. She's okay. Yeah, let her go. All right. And then either Denzel and Claire will maybe date or they go their separate ways and then he investigates something else. So that's where the timeline's going to close, right when that truck exploded in the water because everything that happened no longer happened. So we do have a closed branch, a closed loop, and now life just continues. So he never investigated the apartment. He never interrogated Jim Caviezel. He never even knew about Snow White. I still have issues. <laughs> I don't know but how like, more clearly to explain this. I'm explaining this as clearly as I can. <laughs> but all right, you're allowed. You're allowed to have issues with it. You're allowed. Um, all right. Is there anything else, or are we ready for the time scale questions? Yeah, we can. We can scale. All right. Let's do the time scale questions. Um, on a scale of one through ten, Nick. Do you think the time travel used in the movie can be possible in real life? I think aspects of it. Um, because, like, the the more we talked about it, the more I was like, they just tried to shove everything into this movie to the point it all contradicts itself and doesn't make sense. So I think that um, I'd probably give it, like, a four. I don't think... I think aspects, maybe the time viewing 
could or something like that, but I don't necessarily think everything as explained and as happened in the movie would be how it would go. Though I do like the idea, again, of that branch timeline. They essentially just explained how the Mandela effect happens. Um, <laughs> Basically, yeah. So. That's uh, a fair point. Yeah, the timeline just changed, and then, you know, it doesn't exist anymore. So there was a movie called Shazam with Sinbad in it. God damn it. Damn, time, 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 travelers. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'd say, like, four. I'm going to give it a five. I think because the movie doesn't super explain it very well, we get just snippets of explanation, and we have Tony Scott to blame for that. Um, it's like I've seen these explanations before, almost like it was... <laughs> Yeah, no, I I get it. I no, I get it. But it's it's like, so that's why I'm like I'm giving it a five. I'm halfway there. Yeah. Because uh, I I I think I think certain parts of it I can believe that you can make a machine that can only view the past. Like you know you might you know the the traveling to it, I would say in this movie would be a little far fetched. Um, I know that's unbelievable coming from me, but. The way that they show it in the movie, I, I don't know if I would believe that they could actually send a person back in time. Mm. Um, but I can believe that they can maybe find a way to view time. So that's why I'm giving it a five. I'm about halfway there. Um, so if, if somehow they can figure out a way to do that, <clears throat> that'd be kind of cool. And we're touching a little bit on Minority Report area here, I realize. Yeah. Um, and but we'll get, we'll, well, I'm sure we'll get to – yeah, I'm sure we'll get, we'll get to those. We'll get to those. We'll get to those. <laughs> It's all the Philip um, K. Dick stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So, Nick, uh, was the time travel used responsibly in the movie? Uh, ish. I, I mean, kind of. I'd say I'd give this a five. I think it wasn't awful used, but I don't think it was, you know, to be the most responsible. He wouldn't have sent stuff back, him or the letter. So I can't give it, like, it's a 10 out of 10 responsible. <laughs> um, but, okay, okay. Uh, and, you know, they could have explained it to him earlier on before just dumping him into it. Um, so I would just say, yeah, like, five. Like, it was okay. Okay. I'm going to go... I'm going to go seven. I'm going to go a little bit higher. Because they were using it to, to stop an explosion. They were using it to save a person's life. Um, I agree. Maybe they... I mean, I think the note thing was just more of like a in-the-heat-of-the-moment thing. Like, oh, I got an idea. If I send myself a note to stop the bomb, that'll work. But it just backfired on them because they were... It was too late. So, you know, I can't really fault them for that. Um... But I'm, I'm giving it. I'm only giving it a. I think I said seven. A seven, um, because then they they use most of the time peeping on this girl in her underwear in the shower and stuff. <laughs> and why did they have to give the note to Doug like right at that moment? Couldn't they have just waited till he like got home and then put the note there? I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I I again. I think it was just a heat of a moment kind of thing. Yeah. It was just like we have to do this now. Like I I don't know. Um. Yeah, so I'm going with seven on the responsibility um, because they tried. Got to give them that. All right, uh, here's an interesting question. 
If you knew someone who has never seen a time travel movie before, and I think I added the, the clarification of, like, you know, they're not, uh, like, a super nerd or nothing. They're just a yeah. typical person. Uh, would you show them this movie as a time travel movie? Um, yes and no. On, on the one hand, uh, it would introduce them to every time travel theory. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, on the other hand, I don't think it all meshes together well enough to be. Uh, it it kind of falls apart when you think about it because they they try to do too much. I feel and it it kind of yeah it just falls apart. So in the in the sense of would they understand it? Would they be able to follow it? Like just as a as a layman time travel person. Yeah, I think they could. I think it, it would be a decent movie for someone to, to be able to follow. Um, honestly, I feel the movie falls apart more if you, the more you know about time travel uh, kind of ideas and, and thoughts and really get deep into the discussion like we are here. Right. Um, so, uh, again, I would say like, like okay. I think it, it would be it would be an okay movie to start with, but I probably wouldn't. But okay. if you if you did, it wouldn't be like a bad choice. Okay. Um yeah, I'm so here's the thing, I agree with you, but I'm gonna go higher. I'm gonna go eight. Um because what? well because I meant remember who directed this movie? Tony uh. Scott. Jerry Bruckheimer is the producer. Their movies, if you just look at all of their movies, they're popcorn flicks that are just, you know, you don't, you, you turn your brain off and you go see a Jerry Bruckheimer, Tony Scott film. Like, there's nothing you need to really super analyze. And then they gave Tony Scott a, a script written by two time travel nerds who, <laughs> who had probably all these explanations of things that we had problems with. And Tony Scott was like, no, fuck that. I just want to fucking explode a boat. Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so with that said, because Tony Scott is at the helm and Jerry Bruckheimer is the producer of it, I think they were trying to make this like any other typical like popcorn flick that like, you know, any random person can go into this movie, not know fuck all about time travel. And then, you know, it's kind of like if you get like a non-nerd person to watch Star Trek and they their main complaint is the techno babble that like Spock will like, you know, say or whatever. And yeah. that's their complaint about it. So that, per so that person is obviously not going to be in Star Trek. But they can watch this movie and be like, okay, we have Denzel Washington. He's a leading man. He show he's a good actor. He shows up in all these great movies, thrillers, dramas, sometimes comedies. Um, That's a solid cast, this movie. Oh, this had a great cast, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so, uh, you know, I think it's approachable for, for the standard movie-going person. So I'm giving this an eight. I will admit when they get it, when Adam Goldberg starts going off on the paper theory, Einstein bridge, blah blah blah, they might get lost a little bit. This will probably if they, if you look up this movie on Run P, I guarantee you that's the point of time where they're like, this is the part you could probably go to the bathroom because <laughs> you're not gonna get it. You just know there's time travel involved, and 
just go to the bathroom, come back, and then you'll see Denzel crash an ambulance into a truck or into a shack. You're fine. So <laughs> I'm giving it an eight. I think I think it's approachable. Um, all right. So <laughs> I have fun with this question. How embarrassed would you feel if you knew someone in the future was watching everything you do, even when you're alone? If if nobody like I don't care who you are, if you're if you don't say ten out of ten on this, like, <laughs> like you're not human. Like who are you? Um yeah, no, I I hope to God that's not the case. Um so uh I'd feel bad for them. Let's pray you don't get murdered in the future and then someone yeah. has to go back five days to see what you were up to. Right. Um I yeah, I'm with you. Ten out of ten. I I I'm sure anyone observing me would probably have be super worried about me. Yeah. And uh <laughs> uh yeah, no, I'm with you. Ten out of ten. No, there are those people with the voyeuristic kinks and you know, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure there would be like a one. Yeah, come on, when you yeah. win, like when are you gonna start? You know, no, I'm a ten for sure. Um, I'm a completely different person when I'm alone. Like when mm-hmm. Felicia leaves and I'm just by myself in the house, I'm a completely different person. I actually talk like out loud. I sing <laughs> really loudly. I'm, you know, I complain loudly about things that I, you know, I notice or whatever. Or you know, I'm like, motherfucker, where the fuck is that? piece of paper or what like that's just what i'm doing when i'm alone um and on top of other things we won't get into but yeah 10 out of 10 100 percent uh finally what'd you think of the movie uh it's definitely a 2006 tony scott uh time travel movie that he didn't want to be a time travel movie um <laughs> yeah like uh it's 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 good. It's good. It has a good cast. It uh, despite all of my complaints, it's an enjoyable movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a movie where you know during that the the Hummer sequence where he has one vision yes. and different things. Yes, I mean, yes. there is literally a point where he's in the Hummer and gets hit by an oncoming eighteen wheeler. And nothing happens. <laughs> like he just gets out of the yeah. car. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or or you know, whatever. I don't remember what happens at that point, but yeah, um, you know, it's a it's a fun movie if you don't think about it. If okay. you think about it, it all falls apart. Um, which is why, and you know, the more we've talked about it, my score's actually gone down a little bit since <laughs> oh. uh, we've talked about it. <laughs> oh shit. Um, because I just think of things that it's more and more things like, oh yeah, this doesn't make sense. And the whole movie kind of doesn't work because of certain things, um, just logistically and even time travel wise. So because of that, I probably will give it like a 6.5. Okay. Okay. Um, I love... Obviously, I made a whole podcast about getting nerdy about time travel movies, and this is one of the this is one of the many films that after I watched it, my brain just would not stop thinking about all the stuff, um, and that's and that's me because you know I'm sure this was not meant to be analyzed like how we did, 
this was, you know, again, it was Tony Scott, like, just, like, whatever, nerds, here's a fucking movie. Um, but um, I really enjoy it. I really like it. Yes, there's problems. Yes, there's huge plot holes. There's questions out the ass. I mean, we've been recording for an hour ten, and I think we just still didn't touch on everything that we might yeah. have had problems with. Um but with that said, it is a fun movie. Um, there's not a dull move moment in this movie. Um, it keeps your interest. If you if, if you went into this super blind, like you had no idea there was time travel involved, and you just like thought, oh, it's a Denzel Washington thriller about stopping, like figuring, investigating a terrorist attack, and then where does it go from there? And then they introduce the time travel element. And you're like, oh shit. Um, I think that's fun. I think that's cool. I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it an eight point five. I'm I'm I don't want to go full nine because yes there are problems. We touched on the weird paradoxal issues, um, but I'm gonna give it an eight point five. I really like this movie. Um, I was very quick uh, to add this to the list of films to cover. Um, actually, if I remember correctly, I had this from the beginning, but we just kept jumping around it um yeah this movie kept getting pushed back <laughs> yeah so you know i had it at the very beginning because it was one i really wanted to discuss because i think it it warranted a great discussion and we had a great discussion on it and so i think that that's that's you know you know shows how much you can get out of this mm-hmm. stupid 2006 tony scott denzel washington film that a lot of people don't talk about anymore and I think it's a little bit of a shame because if you look at it, and I can look at it as like just a movie, not even has a time travel angle, just as a movie. I think it's actually pretty good because you pointed out, you know, the performances were great all around. Everybody did a fantastic job. the The cinematography is great. The action is great. The explosions, the car, a fucking car chase that happens in the past, like that's fucking mind blowing. Like. Like, who thinks of that? So, this is such a great film. There is kind of a reason, though, that one of the only things I remembered after, like, how how long has it been? Like, almost 15 15 years almost? Yeah, somewhere like um, that. That uh, was the boat explosion. Um, Okay. Just because... There's a lot of the lot of tiny things in this movie that can go forgotten. The big the big set pieces really are the boat explosion and the driving at two different times. Um, though I think those are the big moments of the movie. Um, okay. And uh, but yeah. Okay, but I'm giving it an eight point five. I, I really like mm-hmm. this movie. It's it's one of my favorites. So. All right, Jason. I've had it. Whoa, where did you get that gun from? Your future self told me about it. Wait, what? What What are you... Oh, that phone call. That explains how you got a phone call on the time scale. Yeah, he told me where you hit the gun and that you can actually control the time scale. He's lying. I'm lying. I will be lying. God damn it. That's not true. You seem pretty adamant about it. Now get me back home, or else I empty this gun into you and I fly this thing home myself. It's not that simple. You don't understand. That was just a warning shot.
Now get me home. I can't. I really can't. That's it. Shit! <laughs> The Time Scale was co-hosted by Jason Soto and Nick Job, written, edited, and produced by Jason Soto, and can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. Opening theme is In at the End of Time by Professor Elemental. Closing theme is A One Man Wrecking Machine by Guster. We are sponsored by Audible. You can try Audible free for 30 days if you go to audibletrial.com slash rabbitholepods. After 30 days, just pay $14.99 a month and get access to more audiobooks, original shows, or podcasts. You can cancel any time, and if you do, you get to keep anything you've downloaded. So try it today. AudibleTrial.com slash RabbitHolePods. Also, huge thanks to all of our Patreon members. You out there listening can become a Patreon member at Patreon.com slash RabbitHolePods. $1 a month gets you in. You get to listen to episodes way in advance, and you can make choices in things we do, join us for live streams, and so much more. Patreon.com slash Rabbit Hole Pods. I'm Jason Soto. I'm Nick Job. And we'll see you in the next time. I built a time machine. I'm going to see the homecoming queen. Take her to the Christmas dance Maybe not get in her pants Whatever Copyright 2023 Rabbit Hole Podcasts Rabbit Hole Podcasts dot com